Welcome to the final episode of What We Need to Succeed, a limited series podcast that uplifts the voices and perspectives of Illinois college students to offer insights into challenges they face on campus, how student identities and backgrounds shape their experiences, and propose some possible solutions to problems. Episode 3 explores the role that other students play in shaping students' sense of belonging on campus, but also talk about how this labor is often racialized and can lead to burnout. For the privacy and comfort of everyone who participated, students who led and participated in interviews chose false names for themselves so that's how we'll be referring to people throughout this series. All names of other people and places have been removed, so you'll hear beeps where we took them out. In this episode, you'll hear from Maria. Um, to me, belonging means a place that I can, where, a place where I can go, where I feel like I can be myself, um, whether that's with friends, whether that's with my family, anywhere where I can be my truest and most authentic self. Rosalia. But I feel like students also deserve to at least be like recognized too, because as I kind of see that mentorship is anyone with experiences about personal academic or um, just other things that goes on because a student could be, it doesn't have to be someone older. Isaac. For me, I have a really strong support group in terms of friends. Sierra. And I think that as students of color, BIPOC students, QTPOC students, like when we try to find these spaces to belong, there's not many of them. So we really do. Um, I don't want to speak for everybody, but in terms of my experience, we try to latch onto those and, and take advantage of them. Angel. I think for me, um, Finding a community, more specifically a chosen family, has been what's been essential for me to move along through this journey. When students are connected to a community on campus, they have a better chance of staying in college. Across a lot of these conversations, SAC students talk about the role that other students have played in building their sense of community and belonging. Many students like Maria, Rosalia, Luis, and Isaac highlighted the importance of supportive relationships with other students in building confidence in classes, connecting to other extracurricular activities, and advocating for their well-being. I think that having that sense of belonging and having that sense of community in my cohort has made me feel better about teaching and about becoming a teacher. I've grown a, like much, to be much more confident when I implement a lesson plan. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with my peers cheering me on. Um, you know, what I do, we just finished, like, for example, we just finished a peer teaching lesson um, for science. And it was the first one I've ever done. And my peers were so thoughtful in the way that they gave feedback and they gave compliments. So that definitely helped my confidence grow. For me, I have a really strong support group in terms of friends. So like if um, I'll just come up with a, the name of Sarah <laughs> notices like I'm struggling with something or um, for instance, with like my heart problems or if I'm like, she notices that I get dizzy or 
um, I feel lightheaded or something like that. She'll make sure to like step in and say like, oh, you need to do something about this or let's go do X, Y, and Z. So I know for me, it's been, I, I have a pretty strong support group. I know for a fact, it's my, it's more like student organizations that I really feel. I know one is, uh, my roommate is, um, part of the exec board. And so they not only help like Latinos, um, you know, like, um, promote like Latino events that are within the Latino community, but they also include everyone. And I feel like there's no discrimination or there's no, uh, line between who can go and who cannot go. They include everyone, regardless if you're an international student, regardless if you're white, black, whoever, they include everyone. And I felt very comfortable around them all the time. And I've never felt that they've pushed me away. Yeah, thank you. Um, student workers are super important for finding a sense of belonging on student on college campuses. And I know where I go to college, there's a huge movement for specific physical spaces for like identity groups to go and exist. As Rosalia said, students can play an important supportive role for each other, and they're also often key sources of information. Me and Sierra talked more about how students play a critical part in sharing information and connecting other students to resources. And I feel like also they also help you out too, because I've always talked with them. And sometimes I kind of bring to them like, I don't know where to go to talk to about creating an organization, or I don't know to talk to you like, you could go to this person because they have that connection because they have to work under um, student affairs. So they already know these people where I, I would not know where to go, but they're like, you could just go to this person. You could just do this and that. They help guide me as to what I need to be doing and who I need to talk to, as opposed to someone who, if I have to go alone, I don't have that guidance. I don't have that person who might fully listen to me be like, I don't know where to go. Cause it's, there's so many le levels to it. It's unaccessible. On campus, I would say I have a really great friend that I met, um, during, um, basically a program that helps you understand leadership a little bit more. And, uh, she was actually one of my leaders. And so we just happened to keep on talking after like the program was over and we became really great friends and she's been able to, you know, help me get like a footing into campus. Like, Hey, you should join the residence hall association because I'm going to be, you know, the VP for, um, social media. So mm -hmm. you should join. And it's like, oh my gosh, you get to be my boss and I get to see you. So yeah. <laughs> and because of her, I got more of a footing on campus. I got to know more of the residents. I got to join some of these cool events that I was like, I never knew these existed. <laughs> um, and because of that, I actually got uh, nominated and awarded the and I'm like, this is pretty cool. I get to wear the, the cord for graduation. I'm like, this is awesome. It's heavily within that sense of belonging piece. 
And we as student leaders have found belonging and working with each other. And so now knowing that that gap is still there, what events can we host? What, what knowledge can we spread? What can we do to bring students out of their dorms and into these spaces that again, they're paying for. So we, we saw that a lot of black students were going from their dorms to class back to their dorms. <laughs> that was kind of it. And, you know, we have these resources and this knowledge because somebody told us. So we're trying to pay that forward and let other students know, like, no, there's a space that literally designed for you. There are certificates and minors that are designed, this curriculum is designed for you to, to learn about yourself if you want to take that path. SAC students framed the labor that students do to connect their friends and classmates to resources and support as often filling critical gaps in what institutions provide, especially for students of color. For example, Rosalia and Isaac talked with Luis and Carol about how faculty and staff are not always accessible to them. I feel like it could also mention, I know sometimes it also mentioned like faculty members, but I feel like there could also be I mentioned, like, uh, ask a question about also students too, because I think students are mentors. And sometimes not every person feels comfortable with a faculty member. I don't feel comfortable with all faculty members, even though I have a good relationship with them. For me personally, it was pretty hard at first. Now I'm a lot more comfortable because, like, I know everyone and everyone knows me for the most part. So, like, starting a conversation with, um, the basketball coach or um, our dean of students might not be hard now, but I know at first um, I was definitely dealing with a lot of anxiety as like a freshman and sophomore and the pandemic didn't really help with that. And on top of that, I go to a very rural high school, not high school, on um, college, and there isn't a lot of students of color around campus. So I get pretty... Um, what would be the word, um, I guess, hesitant to reach out to anyone because like there's like um, an underlying fear of like, oh, they might not help me or I might not receive like the um, service I need or they might not just hear me out um, completely. For those students, peers play an important role in filling that gap. So I think instead of like finding... I guess the approach I want to go for is not finding ways to like make sure like students are receiving the discipline that they need or whatever, but like um, having like um, say there's a biology major on the basketball team, having someone who's a junior or a junior or a senior um, be a mentor for that student. So like, the junior or the senior would have already taken the classes that they've had if they've had any questions or they need help with something or don't understand the material they have a direct link to someone who's already been through it and not just a professor who probably already has limited office hours so peer mentorship it will be very important in all levels of your education from freshman sophomore junior and senior yeah right yeah i do agree with that too 
it helps guide the experiences of others. I feel like that's how uh, things work sometimes better at your school than going directly with a professor. But I feel like students also deserve to at least be like recognized too, because as I kind of see that mentorship is anyone with experiences about personal academic or um, just other things that goes on because a student could be, it doesn't have to be someone older. It could just be anyone who is able to listen and guide you. And I feel like that could also be brought up or mentioned too, because I have friends who feel like mentors or who I feel like I could go to and they won't judge me. They're like, your, feel your feelings are valid. We li we're listening to you. We'll help you out. Yeah, I definitely agree. I know a lot of people in my cohort and my age group that are so wise beyond their years that I always go to for advice. So um, thinking about mentorship in that way and um and not so like a monolithic way where all mentors are older, all mentors have this experience. Even though for many students, peers offer mentorship support and access to resources, those roles, often informal and unpaid, take time and energy from students on top of schoolwork and other commitments. In the last episode, we talked about how faculty of color can be asked to take on additional labor to fill gaps in what institutions provide to students of color. Sierra talked about how this can be the case with student activists and leaders as well, where institutions rely heavily on student leaders of color to engage other students. And we just, we noticed that um, Black students were not being retained. Retention rate for marginalized students is not the best. And I think there are efforts being made by the university as a whole, but a lot of that work is on our cultural centers and our ADEI. And students don't know what they don't know. And us student leaders who, who had that information because somebody else guided us that way, just wanted to spread that to other students. And so we'll have study tables for students who either need tutoring or just need to get out of their room. Like there's so much more to campus than to dorm that you pay a lot of money to be in. So I understand being in your room because of the, <laughs> the cost of it, but there's just a lot more to campus than, you know, your classes and that's it. And without that student involvement, we see high dropout rate. But I wanted to see others have the, the resources that I didn't have because of COVID. And it caused me to just take on like way, way, way too much. And that was very important self-reflection that I needed. And I'm glad I was held accountable for that. Because leaving these high leadership positions is not easy. It's not because you want to see others succeed so much, or you want to expose students to all that they have and all that they're paying for. A lot of these students are paying so, so, so much money, but have no idea what they could be utilizing and taking advantage of. And I, I took on job. Myself and other students were kind of bearing the burden of bringing the resources to students, even though that is the school's goal and should be their primary focus and we were doing work we were not getting paid to do <laughs> and you know of course we as advocates and volunteers want to do the work willingly 
just so people can be left in positions that were not available to us and we can leave campus better than how we found it. But at what cost? Sierra's, Rosalia's, and Isaac's comments speak to the ways that students take on unpaid responsibilities that their institution should be doing to make campuses comfortable, safe, and accessible to students of color. Researchers have called this dynamic racialized equity labor and drawn attention to the way the unpaid labor performed by minority students lead to burnout and often ostracize them from their school's administration. My sense of belonging was enhanced by joining all these programs, but I will say that can lead to extreme burnout. And I, I definitely hit that point. I was at a point where I had about four different leadership roles, three to four leadership roles, and I was doing a lot, but it was for like the greater good. And so I kept doing it. And my sense of belonging started to diminish at the end of the semester because I had honestly just taken on too much. So I love sense of belonging and I love that there are programs made for us by us so we can feel like we belong, but I don't feel like we talk enough about the burnout that can come with carrying such a heavy burden that's not shared with most universities and the students. It's typically the students and then the Black faculty and staff or what or whatever other identities the staff have supporting them to realize that's where that burnout came from. And oftentimes with myself and other student leaders I've known who've experienced a sense of burnout, you don't even know you're burnt out until you actually find a place of stillness. And you're like, whoa, what do I do with my time? Um, at the end of every semester, myself and student leaders talk about this all the time where we don't have four meetings a day and 20 homework assignments to get done by the end of the week. And we sit and we look at each other like, that was a lot. SAC students shared about how supportive relationships with other students strengthen their sense of belonging on campus and connect them to resources and opportunities. They talked about the way students fill gaps in what universities provide, especially for students of color. Sierra highlighted how the labor that students do on campus is often racialized, where students of color have to do more work to find and access resources themselves and connect other students to those resources. Addressing the racialized labor students do on campus will mean institutions have to make transformative changes at the organizational level, including examining how their policies, practices, and responses to student labor are rooted in white supremacy. As students, we're the experts when it comes to answering questions and what barriers we face and what we and what can be done about them. A step institutions can take immediately is centering black and brown students voices and strategic planning, campus decision-making, and funding. This could look like restructuring school governance and accountability systems, participatory budgeting, and prioritizing the calls of student organizers. We'd like to thank all the SAC students who were interviewed as part of this project. Isa, Angel, the brown girl with the camera, Rosalia, Sofia, Kai, Isaac, Maria, Sierra, and all the students who led interviews, Luna, Carol, Angel, the brown girl with the camera, Luis, Rosalia, Maria, Ashley, Diana.